Hi, it's Mark Raven here. If you are a fan of our podcast, you'll want to attend a free webinar that we'll be presenting October 18th, one o'clock Eastern. I'll be presenting with Ken Siegel, the CEO of Value Capture. It's titled Seizing the Healthcare Safety Opportunity Using the Playbook of Paul O'Neill. You can register for the free webinar by going to valuecapturellc.com slash webinars. We hope you'll join us live, or if you hear this after October 18th, you can register to get the recording sent to you. So again, valuecapturellc.com slash webinars. Welcome to Habitual Excellence, presented by Value Capture. This podcast in our firm is all about helping you and your organization achieve habitual excellence via one unifying focus, one value-based structure, and one performance system. In other words, it's about helping you capture dramatically more value through achieving perfect care and perfect safety for patients and staff. To learn more about Value Capture and our services, visit www.valuecapturellc.com. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Habitual Excellence. I'm Mark Raven, and our guest today is Jeff Hunter. He is the president of his firm, Jeff Hunter Strategy. You can learn more about Jeff and his work online at jeffhunterstrategy.com. Jeff is the author of uh, the book, Patient-Centered Strategy, a Learning System for Better Care that was published back in uh, 2018 by uh, Catalysis, our friends and partners there um, at Catalysis. Um, Jeff is on the faculty of Catalysis, as well as the Donald J. Schneider School of Business and Economics at St. Norbert College. Um, Before Jeff started working independently, from 1991 till 2015, he was the Senior Vice President Strategy and Marketing for ThetaCare, a healthcare system based in Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, Jeff has a BS in Economics from the University of Detroit and an MA in Health Services Administration from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So Jeff, uh, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Great, Mark. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you. It's uh, I'm excited to um, hear your thoughts and perspectives here today. Uh, I'll, I'll give another shout out to the book, uh, Patient-Centered Strategy is uh, something I highly recommend. And and, and Jeff, with his you know approach to, to strategy, thinking and management and action has been helpful continues to be helpful to us here at Value Capture. So um, thank you. Thank you again for all of that, Jeff. Well, thanks. You know, it really is built on what you folks and everyone else has taught me. All I've been trying to do is capture what seems to be working and get it into a system. Um, yeah. So it's uh, this, is, this is a shout out to everybody on the call. <laughs> yep. So, you know, Jeff, uh, I think, you know, the main question to get things, get the conversation started today, you know, as, as we sort of progress from pandemic to endemic, as we are, you know, try, figuring out how, uh, how to live with COVID and, and, and what the implications are of that, you know, you, you talk to a lot of healthcare leaders, what, what are you hearing from them about what's required now, what's required next? Yeah, I mean, for so long, what I, they were telling me is I can't even get people's attention on strategy. Um, it's If you bring it up, it's almost like you're walking into a hostile environment, so to speak, because people are just really consumed by trying to get through COVID. And so, again, as, as now things, as we're getting into a new reality, maybe a couple of things. One is I hear them saying, 
I'm really thankful that we had a management system or an operating system because that's what helped us get through COVID. I mean, the, the discipline, the, the standard work that compelled leaders at each level in the organization to get together under conditions of uncertainty and try to figure out what to do and how quickly they had to study and adjust, study and adjust. The, it was that management system, that operating system that I think enabled them, you know, the, again, the, the, they're thankful they had it. But now that they are moving forward on this, they're realizing that they, they're not going to go back to the way it was. This really is a, a new reality. And they're, they're saying that, you know, the staffing crisis really existed before this. It, it just was exacerbated, essentially. And it's not going to be get solved by throwing money at it. It's going to take fundamental care redesign. So what I'm getting is a, a pull now to reinvigorate um, strategic management, strategic planning and strategy deployment, um, that it's, it's becoming necessary again. Yeah. And I've, I've heard that, I've heard a similar comment from um, a lot of organizations I've talked to um, that they were thankful for the management system. They were thankful for the engagement with staff and continuous improvement or, you know, the engagement in developing new processes when needed. You know, I think organizations that had already developed better problem solving skills were better equipped to face that big, huge problem called COVID. And I think they've gotten more comfortable with the idea of being nimble and agile. Um, I've seen more organizations now shift from the budgeting mentality to the financial forecasting mentality, you know, beyond budgeting, which again, I was introduced to by, by Steve Player, another friend of ours. And, and this way of managing strategy is very consistent. Um, very consistent. And so, you know, early in my career, I learned to partner with um, our finance team. I learned to partner with our organizational development team. It was really about how quickly we could plan, do, study, and adjust. And so when you, when you talk about strategy, like maybe, you know, it would be good to hear some of your definitions for people, because I, I think you have a view of strategy that might be different than what a lot of organizations traditionally do. So, uh, how, how do you define strategy? Uh, it, it's not just a. It's not this thick binder sitting on a shelf, right? Uh, no, because that just it never did last long. But it's just become irrelevant. Now we have to have a plan. We have to have it in writing. There are target audiences that expect when the joint commission comes around, they want to see your strategic plan. So, sure, we did write up the strategic plan, but but strategic. Strategy, number one, it, that's about what are we going to do uniquely com compared to others that is relevant to our customers. So the essence of strategy is around differentiation, and it's around process-based differentiation. For a long time, because again, I spent my career in healthcare, our, we were used to imitation. Everybody's strategy had a tendency to look alike. We all bought the same technology. We built the same buildings. We try to hire the same people. We were all doing the same thing. And so it was imitation, not differentiation. And it also was about assets rather than what I understand strategy to be now. And that is, how are we going to develop our differentiation by 
how we create a different experience. That's all process-based. Sure, you got to have assets, but but it's really based in process. So that's the essence of strategy. Now we have to develop this under, again, conditions of uncertainty and competition. And as fast as the world is moving, we can't treat strategic planning like it's an event. It's a capability. It's a capability of how we manage our vision, how we manage our strategy with focus and agility. Unless there's someone on this call who can predict the future or predetermine how everything's going to turn out, our strategy is a hypothesis. And so we've got to bring in those principles of design thinking or human-centered design that says, okay, based on my empathy with my customers and what my customers are telling me is really important to them and an unmet need, then I need to try to figure out how I think I'm going to meet that need. But that's a hypothesis. So then I've got to prototype and test and prototype and test. So I'd like to hear more about the opportunity for healthcare organizations to differentiate. So let's say if I'm in a major market with many competitors, we probably have the same technology, similar um, skills and education amongst our staff. What are some of the the, the key factors then that that differentiate in a way that's that's good for the organization in the long term? Yeah, and and it is hard for a large legacy-based healthcare organizations. I mean, again, I was in one. Um, we're used to being all things to all people in a geographic radius, kind of like our, our competitors. Uh, but, you know, what, what you miss frequently is the new entrants that are coming into mm-hmm. the marketplace, if you will, the niche players that, that are impacting our business and, and leaving us with uh, the financially difficult but very necessary services that we need to provide. So, we have got to, again, go back to our customers like these new entrants do. These new entrants are very good at understanding customers. They're very good at relationship management. They're more skilled at that when we, than we historically have been. And so I, what we do is we, we like to bring in, again, the, I, I, I'm a big fan of connecting strategy with design thinking. It's how do we really deeply understand the needs of those customers and then engineer a different value proposition for segments of customers. Again, because we're so used to being all things to all people in a radius, we're not that good at segmentation and targeting as as others would be. So that's one skill, get get the segmentation and the targeting and then figure out what we're going to do differently for different target audiences, one of the basics. Mm -hmm. That's a great point about um, you know, startups, new entrants. I mean, I think there are times when I've seen a legacy health system be innovative in designing a differentiating process. Like one example, this is going back at least a, a decade. I had a chance to visit uh, in your neighboring state in Minnesota, Park Nicolet Health System, um, had a cancer center where the design goal I thought was very powerful, uh, where care comes to you. So the patient, instead of being expected to go from area to area, building to building, like everything but radiation treatment because of the specialized equipment, like everything but that happened in the same room. And you can still find the the videos on YouTube. Um, It became a marketing slogan of showing like you're going to get excellent care, but kind of wrapped around a 
um, a, a, a better experience. Yeah. Well, and, and the experience, again, it, it took process engineering to do that. When we really got to deeply understand, for example, our sickest patients that were, let's just say cancer patients, uh, patients with significant heart disease, what they were telling us was that the challenge wasn't necessarily within our vertical silos, our operating units. The problem they were having was they had to go across our operating units horizontally, if you will. And that's where we had a tendency to let them down. So we had to figure out the process of how we were able to manage the patient relationships horizontally across the system if we were going to break through with the patients. Everybody was trying to figure out how many more vertical silos to build and what to augment. But the real key to what the, pro the patient needed was horizontal. And that was all process that didn't, you know, the technology was, was minor, if you will. Yeah. And I, I love what you said um, a couple of minutes ago about the difference between having a strategy plan, which seems to then lay out the sort of all-knowing linear future of going and executing said plan versus having a hypothesis. And you, you talked about uh, plan, do, study, adjust cycles. And like my, my, my favorite kind of uh, a parallel that, that I heard from somebody recently was kind of thinking how outdated it is. We talk about a roadmap in a lot of cases. We talk about a, a roadmap for lean transformation or, or a roadmap for developing um, a new service line. And, and somebody challenged and said, shouldn't we think of it more as a GPS? Yeah. Because I think if I'm gonna go drive across town here in Los Angeles, um, the GPS will have an initial hypothesis of the best route. Yeah. And then as traffic conditions change, we all know that GPS will recalculate and say, well, like, well now we think we need to go this route. Is, yeah. is, is there a parallel to thinking about strategy as we move forward? Oh, absolutely. One of the diagrams I use a lot, it, it makes it look like, like you're, you're out hiking and you're hiking in the mountains and you know ultimately where you want to go. But as you get across the one mountain, you don't exactly know what's going to be there. It may not exactly what, be what it's like on the map. You don't know exactly what the conditions are. You don't know the weather moving in. And, and so you have to get yourself from where you are to the next target state. And then you have to, if you will, reorient. And, and look again, where is that vision? Did the, did the vision change? Because if you believe it all in systems thinking, when we took an action, we caused a lot of other reactions, some of which were unanticipated. And so we have to learn from what worked with customers. We have to learn what competitors did in reaction. We have to learn what's going around us that caused what we thought was the opportunity at all. We have to reorient ourselves to that and ask ourselves, okay, now what's the next target state we're going to get to? So that's, I, I love that example of, of the, the GPS. I mean, we really know what the vision is. We just cannot will ourselves there. We have to get ourselves there uh, one target state at a time. And we have to start you know, figuring out collectively what is right. We shouldn't be arguing who is right because they're, they have more knowledge than others. That's how we engage the organization in organizational learning to figure out what is right. Mm -hmm. And then when you talk about um, engaging the organization, like how, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the flow from uh, strategy plan, or let's call it the strategy hypothesis to then strategy deployment throughout the organization? Why do we need to take that next step toward deployment? What does that mean to you? 
Well, and, and it is all part of the same learning cycle. I've learned to not separate strategy formulation from strategy deployment. And then if things don't work out the way I thought, I'm going to just blame it on the people deploying the strategy. Because what happened is something happened that I, an assumption that I made that did not turn out to be true. So I, I see it strategy formulation and strategy deployment as, as part of the same learning cycle. And, and the information does go both ways. And so I will be acting based on, you know, or formulating strategy based on intuition and facts learned at the front lines because they're the ones spotting the unmet needs of patients and giving me a hint. And then I'm out, you know, again, I'm, I'm looking at the overall marketplace. And, and so we are formulating hypotheses, but we have to test them with patients. Who is in the best position to be able to see what's working and what isn't the folks at the front line. And so it really is a, a, a flow of information uh, back and forth, uh, top and bottom. I do use an example in the book of where we uh, wanted to solve a problem with one of our service lines. And so we did add some capability in one of our service lines. It worked out really well. The problem was it caused an overburden to the frontline staff in the intensive care unit. They were running out of beds. And while they did everything they could do to try to level load and every, they tried to escalate the problem up and up. And they did. They solved what they could at their level. But ultimately, it came back to the leadership team, and we had to change some things to be able to uh, help them with the capacity issue that they were facing. So it's, it's, the information has got to flow both ways. And then with that information becomes that opportunity to adjust. If that information is part of the study, then, then, then we, we adjust. Uh, we we re- reroute, I guess, to use the language of GPS. Yeah. Well, one story I like to tell is a long time ago, and this is before I was exposed to lean thinking. Um, we went down to the Disney experience, if you will, down to where we're to be learning customer service. That's what we were supposed to be learning at the time. Well, what really struck me was they would bring in folks from the front lines who would say, you know, when I'm just doing my job on the front line, I tend to notice the pain points that our customers have. And so I'll try something. And if it, and if I think it's working, then we'll, if you will, in our terminology, mm-hmm. spread it, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, and, and it's, it, it was, it's my understanding that that is how Disney figured out how to put up signs that told you how far you are from the front of the line. It was not yeah. the senior VP of marketing doing cutting edge market research that figured that out. Mm-hmm. That's a great. On the other hand, yeah. it's probably not the frontline people in Los Angeles who said we really ought to build one of these in Orlando. You know, <laughs> right. so again, yeah. it, it's different. It, it's it's different skills, different levels, but you got to work. Yeah. Um, one other thing I'm curious about, um, you know, of all the choices that have to be made, um, allocation of time, resources, selecting projects, what do we spend money on? How how does how does an effective strategy deployment process help an organization make better decisions, maybe even better decisions more quickly? Well, the, and the situation is hard, and it and it's hard in, in healthcare organizations. We're like we're like universities. We fall into a classification of organizations that they call professional organizations, and that's where autonomy, professional autonomy, is really important. A lot of people think they have veto power, and a lot of people do have veto power. 
And so they want to see themselves at the front of the line. They want to see themselves in the strategic plan. And so that's how we used to wind up with planning events that listed all the 250 things we might have to do in the next three to five years. Because if you didn't see yourself in that three to five year plan, you thought your idea was going to get lost for the next three to five years. Well, it's it's still difficult to make choices of what to focus on now. But but the point is, what are we going to focus on now? Because if we can get that done, imagine what we'll learn, and then we can focus on the next few things. And so what we're trying to do is, if you will, accelerate the throughput of strategic ideas. We're trying to manage with focus and agility those ideas that are most important to us at this point in time. And once and once we are able to build new processes there and stabilize them, then they, they become what we do. They become operational effectiveness. Then we can bring on new ideas. And the point is to try to accelerate that flow from new idea through work and process onto, hey, we, we got it done and, and now we're, we're in the daily improvement. It's, it's what are we going to focus on now? It's, it's not, again, it's, it's not your idea is a bad idea or we aren't accepting new ideas for three more years. Yeah. And I remember, you know, back in the day, John Toussaint would kind of walk us through that process that I know you were a part of. Uh, it's not just saying yes, no, but yes, no, or not now. Right. Yeah. And, and to be able to really keep the idea... There, there's nothing wrong with applying a little a, A3 thinking or a little PDSA thinking to what they think is a problem or opportunity. But it's just like when you're doing operational effectiveness at the front line, they can't solve everything today. They have to harvest the ideas and then figure out which ones they're going to solve now. And so it's the same fundamental thinking that you elevate to the organizational level. And once again, I think the people should have confidence that they can do this because that's what they did to manage through COVID. They figured out what was most important now, and they tried to escalate or, if you will, accelerate how quickly they learned. Well, so on that topic of management, maybe a final question for you, Jeff. Um, how do you define a management system, or maybe even better than that, a strategic management system. What what really makes that work? I, I it's it is the the it's a capability. So it is a system with tools. Um, it includes, like any other component of your overall management system, it includes leader standard work. It includes visual management. I see it as a subset of your overall operating system. Um, if you think about, I, I like the shingle model. I like align, enable, improve. It is a system and it's a principle-based system with tools by which you align. And so it, that's, that's how I see it. It's a system, it's a capability um, that enables the organization to learn quickly and, and be aligned around. And, you know, I think maybe as a, a final, final question, uh, back to this, back to the, uh, the original question about not going back to the way we, we used to do it um, as, as organizations are, are recovering or trying to figure out how to move forward. What, what, what do you see them doing? What's, what should they be doing if they need to reinvigorate 
their management system, if, if, if their focus or attention has been taken away from that? Yeah, I, I think it's what you folks um, teach people. And, that, and that's, let's start with, if you will, a model cell. So, you know, this way of thinking around strategy where you try to under deeply understand what you're trying to solve for, what is the customer pulling for, what do you think is the solution, how do you prototype and test a solution, try that in a service line, try it in an operating unit, a geographic, something that you're trying to solve, rather than trying to convince the entire organization at the same time how to, how to think differently, I, I would try this differently. Secondly, again, I was I was really influenced by um, your book, Measures of Success, because what was so important was figuring out what to measure, what's the right measure, but then measuring it the right way so that we are learning. Mm -hmm. Because when you're applying design thinking to strategy, you're doing, you know, uh, if you will, prototype and test, prototype and test. And so you're trying to figure out, should I pivot or should I persevere? And your ability to be able to distinguish signal from noise, which you've taught me, is really important to determining if you should pivot or persevere. So I, I would just get, I would get small and narrow and I would get scientific to figure out you know, how, again, do we engage people in figuring out what's, what is right? Well, it's well said, and thank you for uh, the mention of uh, the book. I appreciate that. So um, glad you've uh, found that useful. Um, but our, our guest today, again, has been Jeff Hunter. Uh, his website is jeffhunterstrategy.com. And um, again, I'm going to throw the recommendation back uh, to Jeff's book, Patient-Centered Strategy, a learning system for better care. And, and that, that seems like a key word there, learning, learning system. Great to see you, Mark. Look forward to seeing you in person, hopefully soon. Yep. Well, thank you. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, yeah, hopefully at the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit in June. I will unfortunately be, well, unfortunately or unfortunately, I will be in Sweden at a wedding that <laughs> I didn't schedule it, but they did. And I I have to be there, but I'm going to be doing a, a pre-summit conference um, uh, for Catalysis and okay. uh, then be following up with you folks right afterward. Okay. Well, I hope people will check out uh, the summit, Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit, and uh, certainly safe travels to you, Jeff. We'll, we'll see you there next time or some other time soon. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to Habitual Excellence presented by Value Capture. We hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and please also rate and review it in your favorite podcast directory or app. To learn more about Value Capture and how we can help your organization on this journey to habitual excellence, visit our website at www.valuecapturellc.com.